Hello, and welcome to SPS Unscripted, Personal Journey Episodes. These episodes aim to offer natural flowing monologues, which allow insight into our personal journeys from diagnosis, medications, stem cell transplants, interactions with medical staff, family life, but most importantly, sharing our autobiographical narrative in the hope it helps other Lindsays and M's out there living with a rare disease such as SPS. Today is episode one of M's story, where she discusses seven years of misdiagnosis of hemiplegic migraines, until a dose of the flu five years ago resulted in an SPS flare which continued for a significant period, leading to medical retirement. Hello, it's Em, and thank you for taking the time to sit with me today in the first episode of my personal journey. I've been sitting prior to recording this monologue, um, which I know I have documented in many journals over the years, but journals that I can't face to open now. It's not that it's a closed book, it's just that the page has turned um, as I enter into a different chapter of my life. But I feel that when I was at the stage of diagnosis five years ago and um, seven years prior to that with symptom onset, what did I need to hear What did I need that would have helped me because I felt so terribly lost, so alone, yet I I was loved beyond measures with my my husband, who is my rock. Um, I, I I will be ever thankful to God for sending this man into my life. Never once did he ever doubt doubt me, judge me, shout at me. Um, If ever he became impatient, it was with the situation, with the system, with the lack of um, speed and progress to help me, but never ever frustrated with me. And I will be everly indebted to his gentleness towards me as his wife. And my children have just simply, as children do, they just love. Children just instinctively know how to love and accept. And we can learn so much from them. We can learn so much from children and we can learn so much from animals, I think, personally. And that's something that, as I go on in my stories, you probably will hear a lot about is my dog, Monty. But prior to this, this, um, this wonderful, bouncy, <laughs> incredibly happy labradoodle that um, was sent to us, I had the most beautiful black labrador called Sam, who was my confidant, my comforter. And he looked at me as though to say, all is well, be more dog, be like me, all is well. So he has passed on to Rainbow Bridge now, several years ago, but I will be ever thankful to Sam and therefore I dedicate 
this episode to Sam, the black lab pup. My journey is, is slightly different from Elle's and, and many people with SPS. Mine was really a journey of almost seven years of diagnosis and I was misdiagnosed with hemiplegic migraine because I, I would lose what felt like control of my left side but yet if someone told me to move it I could but my brain it was almost as though the synapsing wasn't taking place and my my left side would become completely flaccid and it would work from a small spasm in the arch of my foot up work its way up my body and it would eventually reach my face my swallow my tongue which is incredibly scary and frightening. And I would say that although the journey that I've travelled thus far and come into a different way, it still remains one of the most frightening um, symptoms for me. So seven years ago, after having, I have three children, my my youngest child um, was my first experience of losing um, control of my left side. But prior to that, There had been episodes where I would wake up during the night um, to go to the bathroom and would suddenly lose control of my legs. Then I I struggled to control my temperature and this is where my husband (laughs) um, would, without complaint, get up, try and help me. If the legs were were not um, listening to the brain, then he would um, fetch me a cup of tea and hot water bottles to keep me warm until I was able to get up um, and um, make my way to the bathroom. And very strangely enough, I I would get up and go to work the next day. And my background is, is I'm, well, I'm no longer, I'm medically retired, but um, I'm a rehab specialist, which makes it all the more ironic and um, alludes to to me saying that um, in the definition of being hypocritical, my name should be in there somewhere. <laughs> um, it just—I—I I don't think I ever looked upon myself as a as a as a being, as a person, as someone who deserved to have self care. I was always used to spinning plates, and I found great comfort in taking care of others, um, which does not make me. <laughs> Um, truly altruistic um, or paint me in any wonderful Florence Nightingale picture but I often wonder if it was a a mode of self-survival to deflect from me knowing intuitively something wasn't quite right with my body. Um, So part of my background is Graves disease um, as one of my core morbidities Let's just say that Graves and I um, have not had the nicest journey together and I didn't really appreciate its arrival in my life. So fast forward to having a total thyroidectomy because of the the aggressiveness of Graves um, is all I will say. But I'm still here um, and, I, you know, I came through it and medicine is a young science um, and I'm forever thankful to my endocrinologist who played a big part in helping me with my diagnosis for SPS. Um, He was the first person that I actually felt that I could go to and say, you know, 
I don't feel right and I don't think it's thyroid. I'm hitting this wall of fatigue. When I try to hurry and when I try to say or someone says, come on, mum, quick, quick, we're going to be late. I would slow down and I'd be like, what on earth is going on? That's not right. But the other thing that I noticed was if the, the only analogy that I can always relate to is when a balloon pops, I think a bomb's going off. It's been detonated. So I had my appointment with my endocrinologist and I had a wonderful um, clinical relationship with him. He really has been my champion. He He's a wonderful man and I'm thankful that there are wonderful professionals like him out there for other patients like me. And when I mentioned that to him, and we usually would have a good laugh because we're both jovial, upbeat personalities. But in this occasion, I went in in tears and he was like, oh, well, that's not right. Um, And his exact words were, I'm very vexed. I've never noticed you to ever be like this. You've never been like this. And I've been through some bumpy roads with graves, let me tell you that. So... He said, I think we should get an MRI. I'm wondering, is there MS? As, uh, you know, is, is there MS? So when the MRI came back clear, he's like, it's a mystery. But even of late, my, my latest um, consultation with him over the phone, which is always one, he said he leaves me to the end because he knows I'm a chatterbox, but it's pot calling kettle black is all I will say. So he says, I leave you to the end because I I like a good chat with you, you know, and we we really put the world to right. But he said, I've I've watched you because I've worked with this man as well um, when I was working in a hospital setting. And he would often tap me on the shoulder and say, come and get your bloods done. You're looking very tired. You're just not looking right. But he did say, I've watched you from our first meeting, but I've watched you at work and I, I there's just something just not right with you. And I would joke and say, well, you know, the world knows that. Everyone that comes into contact knows that. I know that. But in all seriousness, he did say, there's just something not adding up in your clinical picture. And I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it. And it was something that he reiterated quite recently um, in our telephone consultation. So after that MRI, these condition, these um, attacks, if you want to call it presentations, manifestations, whatever words you want to use or to, to um, attach to these events, um, they became more frequent. And I, I don't know if I was scared or I don't know how I felt, to be honest with you. I think when I was in that moment, I was so confused. And when my, my GP... And on another occasion said to me, I wonder if this is hemiplegic migraine. And that was the diagnosis that we went with for many years. And I could be caught out in so many different places, like driving. I would have to just, I always had the warning of the the spasm in my foot. That was my warning. Go sit down or in the car, pull over, get yourself. I always had a hot flask of tea, but I am a tea Jenny. I'm a typical Scot. I love my tea. Um... And in fact, my, my um, <laughs> laughing at this, um, oh, if you didn't have people in your life to make you laugh, um, 
where would we be? Because in my my most difficult days, uh, my my sons will say to me, "Mum, you're like Mrs. Doyle. Everything is so is solved or rectified with a cup of tea." And um, he said, "I honestly expect to come down in the morning, switch the light on, and there you are, saying, would you like a cup of tea?'" Um, <laughs> And it's true. I have to put my hands up. Tea is my go-to. Tea sommelier, um, another job perfect for me. So yes, I would always have something warm. um, And I knew that if I lay back, going into my body somehow took me into this, just relax, lie on your side, rest, have a hot drink and it will pass put the heated seats on. I was I was thankful for those heated seats. At the time, I debated over them um, as an added expense. Or I would have my electric blanket on or a hot water bottle if I was at home, um, which I think most people who are listening will perhaps relate to that these are self-soothing. Um, what's the word? Is I will it, When you get to know me, I'll always be asking you, what's the word? And you can type in the comments below... <laughs> Um, th- these were always measures that, um, as as now I know that my SPS responds to sleep, heat, hydration, rest, silence. And I started to notice as well that there would be times if I didn't have a sleep, they were more prevalent. They were they were more present in my life. And again, you know, you make the connection now. Hindsight's perfect vision, isn't it? Um, on top of that was something that I just constantly felt as though my tongue was was um, falling to the back of my throat. And for anyone that experiences that, I have great compassion and empathy for you because it's a difficult experience and symptom to deal with. But one that I can say I have learned to deal with, it, it, it doesn't take away the symptoms. It doesn't take it away fully. But it, the physical self will take care of itself to a degree in this respect. But if I allow my mind, my irrational mind, and, and believe me, that irrational M is, oh, she was running amok. And um, she really, her and SPS were really enjoying themselves inside my head many a time, unbeknown to me. Because I could say at this stage in my life, I was unconscious. I was um, unconscious to my inner capabilities and strength and what I was capable of with regards to being able to control my thoughts, being able to calm down what was not necessarily an SPS symptom but was a symptom of fear that would drive on SPS would will grab on to fear and anxiety. If I, I really loathe that word anxiety because as we go on in my journey, you will see that um, when I, I was getting an A, but it wasn't a good A, it was an A for anxiety. And, um, and I will talk about self-advocacy and how important that is and how important that is in my journey to take back control, be your own advocate and be your own champion and not be afraid to step outside of the medical model and the medical jargon, which I was party to as a a medical professional, as a health professional, stepping away from that and saying, no, 
this does not suit me. No, I will not conform. <laughs> I will not fit inside your labels. That's not me. This is what I'm trying to tell you is I appreciate your support. I appreciate all the medical knowledge that my team have, have and I have a wonderful team. But I was submerged, submerged in that medical jargon and that medical model. So, very verbose of M. <laughs> Again, you will get to know that about me. This is unscripted. It is raw. It's natural. I'm hoping that you're sitting with me with a cup of tea and listening and thinking, oh, there is someone else out there. Because as Elle said, I had no one. I had so many loving people as Elle did in her life, but I had no one that understood where I was. Um, because how could they? Because they weren't experiencing this. And I think that's something that's incredibly important. So fast forward seven years and I had the flu, um, which really allowed SPS to come in with big muddy boots and say, ta-da, I'm here. I've been hiding. Boo. Now you're going to know what I can do with your life. Now you're going to see what I can do with your body. And now you're going to see how I can impact upon your relationships, your work, your your ability, your ADL function. And I was terrified, terrified. Um, I was very symptomatic, as, as many can relate to, in the midst of stiff person syndrome coming into my life. And I couldn't say those words until two, three years ago. So that's part of my journey thus far. Um, up to diagnosis I then was admitted for plasma pedesis. I had one round and I've started on immunosuppressants and diazepam a very low dose of diazepam and the plasma pedesis didn't work for me the first round and I um, three months well no about two months later when I went back to see my neurologist I was almost on my knees going into the appointment and she said, oh, I, I'm sorry to see that it didn't work. I don't know if it will work again. And I think this is a, a very important point, is that each patient presents differently. And therefore, if a neurologist is offering you further rounds of plasma exchange, it's because your presentation, your bloods and all your, your personal picture of health that makes you uniquely you will indicate to them that this will work for you but for me and all my core morbidities and everything else that was going on I had a lot going on in my body she said I don't I don't know if that would work shall what shall we do so from there um it was basically trying to find where where SPS and I would live together and um let's say it was a boxing ring I didn't want it in my life. It was there, but I refused to accept that that was in my life. Not because of me, but for, because of my children. I didn't want that for my children. Um, so it was quite a, a, a rocky road um, psychologically. Chronic fatigue was crippling to the point where I, I was practically bedbound and not knowing if I was going to be able to draw my next breath, terrified, waiting for the sun to shine through. 
and just feeling that reassuring hand of my husband placing it on my head saying just breathe just breathe you'll be okay I was terrified I have lots more to share with you with my interactions with medical professionals. Self-advocacy is something I'm very passionate about. My relationships, some some personal stories with, with regards to me as a mum, me as a wife, me as a daughter, me as a friend, me as a colleague. I, I'm medically retired. Um, and those are things that I will cover in the next episodes of um, my personal journey. But what I would like to say to anyone listening that can resonate, that can connect with any of this, um, I don't want you thinking that everything is love, light up there and happiness and joy without having experienced what I have. Um, I think it's very important to connect and say I, I have been in some very dark places I have been in some very difficult places physically where I have been absolutely terrified. And it's not a good place to be. And as Elle so aptly put it, this wonderful articulate lady that says, I was in a, a thousand percent fear. Absolutely. That's where I was. I was startled rabbit, fight or flight every single day. But I knew there had to be another way that did not involve the words anti-GABA and all the medical jargon that suppressed me, me, a voice crying out in the wilderness, please help me, please, someone please. Which led me to meeting Elle virtually because I knew I had to come off the, the immunosuppressants due to complications that were quite unusual <laughs> But then, you know, one in a million, <laughs> um, as my, my, my dear friend, um, my dear friend that would sit in the car with me as I weeped and wailed and like an animal. And she would say, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I, I love her so much. I really, really do. Oh, the loyalty and the trust. But when I knew I had to come off the immunosuppressants um, due to complications, which are, again, I, I must um, emphasise, are it is quite rare for that to occur. Um, so don't allow fear to enter into your heart. And I did come away from that consultation thinking, oh, what do I do now then? And there was the option of IVIG and, and, and other treatments. Um, but I'm going to be very honest with you. Because if anything, this is this is what these um, monologues and the podcasts are for. I'm terrified of medication. I'm terrified of needles. I'm terrified of blood. I'm terrified of anyone touching me. And this takes me back to, I think I knew something was wrong so many years ago. But I was so scared I didn't want to admit it to myself. So... Um, we had a conversation with my neurologist to say, do you think that I would be okay to try this unmedicated just with the diazepam? And her words were, it's risky, but you're sensible. Um, you have your diazepam and you know what to do, if anything. And I said, I do. So I came away and with, you know, a paper in hand of the possible treatments and I knew there and then I, I wasn't in a place 
to place myself any further into a medical model. I knew there had to be another way. And I said to my husband as I left that appointment, him helping me to the car, my head on his shoulder, please, please don't be annoyed at me. Please allow me to see if I can do it my way. And he said, it's okay. Let's try it your way. Let's try it. Let's give it a go. We have nothing to lose, but much to gain. And I popped onto the forum and I popped that message on. Has anyone done this unmedicated? Because I was scared, really scared, scared for my children, scared for my husband. Um, and yes, I suppose scared for myself. I always forget about myself. And that's when this wonderful woman came into my life and I, I embarked upon the first step of self-care. I thought self-care was when I went for a massage once or twice a month or once every two months rather. I thought that was self-care and then I would come home and load the washing and do the dishes and all those things. And it's not self-care, it's just taking a moment to press pause. But I just want to say, if anyone can connect with any of this today, I promise you, I promise you, there is another way. And it doesn't take away the physical symptoms. It doesn't take away the ugliness of this disease. But what it allows you to do is take back some control. And when the symptoms do come to the forefront, and my goodness, they can catch me out, it's like a, you know, a banana peel. You don't see it and the next minute SPS is in full, is in full frenzy. I'm very thankful I do not experience um, full body spasms and I have great um, sympathy and compassion for those that do. But even in the midst of being so symptomatic, I can lie and allow myself to think, this too shall pass. Come on, be gentle with yourself. You're safe. You know this is okay. It doesn't feel okay, but you will be okay. And sometimes that might be that I do need to contact my neurologist for additional um, advice or indeed my GP. You know, I think you take it, you take each moment as it comes, but in the midst of all of that, Sit with yourself, be gentle with yourself. If you're looking for another way to step away from the GABA and the anti-GAD and the medical model and everyone coming at you with uniforms and stethoscopes and white coats and they're all wonderful, they have a wonderful skills mix and I'm so thankful but I need time to breathe, I need to live, I need to think Oh, look at that sunshine. Isn't that beautiful? I need to sit with myself and think, okay, what are we going to do today? What are you going to choose to do today? Choose one thing to make you happy. Today is my advice to you. And I'm going to finish off today by leaving a link below to one of my favourite songs, which is Willie Nelson, Breathe. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear from you. 
You can find us on Facebook, SPS Unscripted Podcast. If you would prefer to DM us privately, then do so with the Facebook Messenger app. We're also over on Instagram, SPS Unscripted Podcast 1, all one word. A gentle reminder, we are not medical professionals. This content is reflective of personal journeys where we follow advice from our medical teams and we strongly advise that you always consult your medical professional for advice.